This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Just want to read a couple of verses. Paul writing here in verse 22. Paul said, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Particularly verse 24, but none of these things move me. We live in a very fast-paced, ever-changing world. Governments change, economies change, business changes, family changes, education changes, everything changes. Everything is always in a state of flux around us. And so in the midst of all of that change, we need to be anchored. We need to be immovable. Not all change is bad. Thank God for some changes. Thank God we're not living 300 years ago when there was no health service and they didn't even know what germs were. So thank God for some changes. But there are other changes that are not good. But good or bad or indifferent, things are always changing and always will change. And so we have to make sure that amidst of all of the changes, good or bad, in or out, up or down, all the trends that are going on, we have to be stable and anchored and steady as believers. Now... Paul said, none of these things move me. Paul was living in a world that was changing also, continually. He lived in the midst of the era of the Roman Empire. And it was a time of the Greeks and the Romans and their great influence around the world. And emperors was rising up and emperors has been put down. And so things were always changing around Paul. But in the midst of all of the change that he was seeing, he said, none of these things move me. No matter what's happening around me, I will not be moved. Now, it's a very bold statement to make. And only because we know the Apostle Paul through his writings, we know that this is not a presumptuous thing he's saying. He's not just saying this to shoo off or to be brash or braggadocious or anything like that. He's genuine. He means it and he's proven it. When you look at his life and see all that he came through, then he can say, None of these things move me. I'm still standing in spite of it all. In fact, just before we read there in verses 19, it says tears and trials and the plottings of the Jews. That's what was awaiting him. And then he talks about chains and tribulations await me. And he knew that because the Holy Spirit told him, in every city you go, you're going to run into problems. Chains will await you. Imagine, imagine having that uh, as your future 
Everywhere you go, somebody's going to come against you and going to try to kill you or put you in prison or do something. He knew all of that, and yet in spite of all of that, he says, none of these things move me. When you read 2 Corinthians 11 and you read all of the, the litany of things he went through, you would think, well, I'm glad I'm never, I wasn't the Apostle Paul. I would not want to be in his shoes going through all of that. But yet he's so encouraging. He's so upbeat. He says, none of these things actually move me. In Colossians 1.23, Paul warned the Colossians, he says, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. In Galatians 1 and 6, he warns the Galatian church, I marvel that you're so soon moved away from the hope of the gospel. It's, it's almost as if he thinks, I can't believe it. I can't believe that you're so soon moved away from the hope of the gospel. You know, as a pastor for 40 years, <laughs> I've seen so many people that has moved away from the hope of the gospel. Something happened in their life and they just didn't handle it or wouldn't handle it or couldn't handle it and they were so easily moved away. Got offended. Somebody said something. Somebody didn't say something. Before you know it, they're out the door and they've taken the huff and they're gone. They're back into the world. And you're shocked. And you wonder, what's happened? What happened there? Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's some people who are easily moved, easily moved away from the gospel, from their faith, even from their calling or their vision. And sometimes, even we ourselves, temporarily, get a knock. Something happens that was unexpected, that we didn't plan on. Something happened that just knocked the feet from under us temporarily. And, and we maybe stumbled a little bit and it shook us for a moment or two. But thank God, in spite of it, something in us was immovable. We just would not be moved. We're still here tonight. I know what some of you have gone through, are going through, but in spite of it all, you haven't been moved away from the hope of the gospel. You're still following Christ. You still love the Lord. And so sometimes things happen. We maybe suffer an irreversible loss. We've lost something or we've lost someone, and we're never going to get that back. And maybe for a little while, it shook us. But then we began to trust again and believe again and hope again. And we found then that we're not moved in that sense. None of these things, Paul says, move me. Sometimes it's a bitter disappointment. Someone has disappointed you. Something has disappointed you. Something happened. Maybe a crisis of faith. You know, sometimes people go through a crisis of faith. What they're believing for didn't happen when they thought that should have happened. And so their faith is shaken. But thank God, maybe it's only temporary. It only lasts a little while. And then your faith rises again. And your hope rises again. Maybe it was an unexpected setback. But let's not be moved. Let's be able to keep standing no matter what. 
Some of you have stood through the most difficult seasons of life, the hardest things you've gone through, and I wondered and I looked at you and thought, how in the world do they do that? But you did it, and you're doing it, and you're still here, because none of these things has moved you. Now, the Apostle Paul, because he says, none of these things move me, don't think, for instance, that he had no feelings that he was hardened to everything, that he was impervious to pain, because he wasn't. Because you only got to look to see when he got that thorn in the flesh, how he prayed three times fervently for God to remove it. He didn't want it. He hated it. <laughs> he didn't want a thorn in the flesh any more than you would want it. You know, sometimes we think the heroes of the faith that they're, they're almost robotic. They have no feelings. No, no. In fact, one time he says, I'm perplexed. I don't understand this. I can't get my head around this. I'm perplexed. And so these were just ordinary men. James says about Elijah, he was a man of like passions as we are. He had feelings. But yet, it didn't move him away from Christ or his calling or what he was meant to be or what he was meant to do. It just didn't move him. He wasn't blown off course. And that's the position we want to be in. An ever-changing word tonight, we want to be in a position where nothing is going to blow us off course. We're going to keep on keeping on. No matter what, we're going to keep on course. Yes, there might be wobbles along the way. There might be dips along the way. But at the end of it, we're still going on and we're still continuing on with Christ. Amen. Amen. One of the very last things Paul ever wrote to Timothy... He said, I've run my race, I've finished my course, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, I am now ready to be offered. What a testimony that is. To get to the end of your life and to be able to say, Lord, as far as I know, everything you asked me to do, I've done it. As far as I know, Lord, everything you expected of me, I have tried my best to rise to that occasion and to do this. And even though I may have made mistakes or may have faltered from time to time, but I'm still standing at the end of my life. I'm still here. Nothing has blown me off course. By the grace of God, I'm now ready to be offered unto you. That was Paul's testimony. And what a testimony that is. It's great whenever the saints of God at the end of their life, they go home and they have run their race and they kept the faith, and they were still on course for Christ. That's what our testimony needs to be. And so, how do we be like Paul? How do we be able to live in such a way that we are not moved? None of these things move us. Well, first of all, number one, make God your source, your fountainhead, your center, Make God your source. James says, James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation nor shadow of turning. In other words, James is saying, God's my source. He's, he's, he's the one who's stable and continuous. He's the one who I'm anchored in because he doesn't change. He doesn't move. Everything else moves, but he doesn't move. And he is my source. God is my source. Now, you've got to get perspective. God uses all kinds of means to meet your need, but he's the source. And if you're stuck on the means, 
If you don't see God as your source and you think the means is your source, what happens when those means fail? What happens if you're paid off? What happens if the firm closes? What happens if the business goes bust? What are you going to do? If, if that's your source, you're snuggered, aren't you? But if God is your source and the means fail, God will get another way. He has other means that we don't even know about. And many of us has proved that over our lives. When that means fails, God had another way because we trusted him. These are just channels that God uses. And we ought to be thankful for the channels. And while they are working in our lives, thank God for them. That's his way at this moment in time of meeting that particular need. Thank God for that. But there may be other ways. When that door closes, another door begins to open. Remember the prophet? For a while, it was the brook met his need. For a while, it was the ravens met his need. For a while, it was the widow woman met his need. But those were only the means. God was a source. And it was God who moved him around to meet the need. And so we have got to have that mindset that God is my source. Not man or men or things, but God is my source. And God will use all those things and we'll do everything we can to help ourselves. Everything we can regarding work-wise, regarding our jobs or careers or business, whatever. We'll do everything we can. But if that fails, God is still our source. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold and the silver is his. We walk by faith, not by sight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, <coughs> 2 Corinthians 4, and verse, well, we'll break in here at verse 8. It says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus also raised us up with Jesus, will present us with you, and will present us with you, for all things are for your sakes." That grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. But note this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. If you read 2 Corinthians 11, see what his light affliction is. I don't think you would agree it was very light. But in his perspective it was, because he was looking at it in the light of eternity, not just time. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. I've underlined that two, those two words. Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I don't think any of us has got there yet. Because when something's working against us, we rarely would ever think this is working for me. 
Cheer me with Let's be honest. If something's working against you, you don't say, oh, praise God, this is working for me. That's not your first thought, is it? Your first thought is, this is working against me. I hate this. This is tough. This is hard. This is working against me. But we never stop to think, wait a minute. Maybe this is going to work for me. Maybe this is going to work for me. That was Paul's attitude. In fact, at one point when he was in prison and in chains, actually, he looked at it very positively. He says, this will fall out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, he says, some will come against me, but he says, others will be emboldened because of my chains. Their faith will rise because they'll see me and say, well, if he can do that, then I can go out there and preach the gospel. So he looked at it positively. Do you ever stop and think when something's bad coming against you that maybe, maybe this can work for me, that God can turn this around and work for me? Works for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, he had an eternal perspective. Make God your source. And if you make God your source, you'll not be so easily moved. You'll be able to stand no matter what. Secondly, Develop strong beliefs. Develop strong beliefs. It was said about somebody <laughs> that they were born in a mist, they lived in a haze, and they died in a fog. <laughs> you know the sayings we have of somebody, you know, they're kind of wishy-washy and they can't make up their mind. We say they're sitting on the fence. Or if we say somebody who's very bold and very opinionated, and they're not scared to share that opinion, uh, what do we say about them? They're not sitting on the fence. They've nailed their colors to the mast. That's what we say, isn't it? Well, old Archbishop Runtsey, an old former Archbishop of the Church of England, he had no firm thoughts about anything. So the joke was, he was always nailing his colors to the fence. <laughs> that was nailing his colors to the fence. He couldn't make up his mind about anything. But we need strong beliefs. In James 1, James talks about not wavering, not being double-minded. He says, if we're double-minded, he says, let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord if you're double-minded. So in other words, have a strong, firm grasp and opinion of what you truly believe. In Romans 4.20, it talks about Abraham not staggering at the promise of God through unbelief but he gave glory to God. Old Alan Gill, an old commentator of old, here's what he said about that. He says, there is no reason to stagger at or hesitate about any of the promises of God since they are made by him that cannot lie. His faithfulness is engaged to perform them and with him all things are possible. Every promise is in Christ, yea and amen, and never did any fail. <laughs> That's a strong opinion, isn't it? When you're able to say, I believe God. I trust God. I know God's word. I have proven this to be true. Then you have a strong opinion, a strong belief. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And so develop strong beliefs. 
know what you know. Look into this word and begin to say, that's what I believe. That's what I'm firm about. I'm not going to be shaken on that no matter what. And when you start to do that, then you're developing strong beliefs. Because, as we said earlier, and as we said this morning, this world is constantly changing. There's different trends all the time. In fact, the latest one now regarding how the, how the world was formed, the latest one now was it wasn't really a big bang, that things just happened to slowly come together. And it says, we'll have to rewrite the books. Well, they've been rewriting the books since ever I can remember. But this book's never rewritten. This book's always the same. And that's why we've got to develop strong beliefs. Because that world out there is going to forever change their beliefs. Always. But we need to be strong in ours. And then we've got to be bold in our righteousness. Now, not our own righteousness, because that's filthy rags to God. But when I say in his righteousness, I mean his righteousness in us. What is righteousness? A right standing before God because of what Christ did for us at Calvary. Because we as unholy, sinful people could not stand before a holy God. We just could not do that. In our own selves, in our own strength, we could not do that. But because we trust in Christ, because he saved us and redeemed us and washed us in his blood, that made us fit to stand before a holy God. And only that, only his righteousness, which is imputed unto us, that's, he took our unrighteousness and paid the price for that, but then he gave us his righteousness in his place. And that's why we can stand tonight before a holy God, not in ourselves and our strength or our righteousness, but in his and his alone. So we need to be bold in that. We need to be bold. We need to know our place in Christ. And if we know our place in Christ, we will not be easily moved. We won't be. Proverbs 10, 31, the righteous will never be removed. Proverbs 28 and 1, the wicked flees when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, that's what gives us boldness, because we know who we are in Christ. That's what makes us strong as believers, knowing who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul is in the midst of a tremendous storm. The storm is raging. It looks as if everyone is going to die. It went on for days and days and days. And let me just find where it... Let me read from verse 21 of chapter 27 of Acts. It says, But after long abstinence from food... So Paul fasted. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. But now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So Paul fasted, he prayed, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him and gave him this message. But note what Paul said, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. The old King James says, of whose I am and who I serve. You will never know who you are till you know whose you are. Once you know whose you are, once you know who you belong to, we belong to Christ, then you begin to find out who you are in Christ. But if you don't know whose you are, you'll never really know who you are. And that's what the problem in the world is. They don't know whose they are. They think they're themselves. They think, well, that's my life. I can do whatever I like. But we don't think that. We know whose we are. We know who we belong to. We belong to Jesus Christ. And that gives us the knowledge of who we are. And so, be bold in your righteousness. Know who you are in Christ. Colossians 3, 3, I love this verse. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. I mean, there's no safer place in the universe when your life is hid with Christ in God. What can the devil do to you if your life is hid with Christ in God? There's nothing eternally he can do with you because your life is hid with Christ in God. What a safe place we have in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live in the flesh, Paul said, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, here's a man who knew who he was because he knew whose he was. And if we know that, then we will be immovable. We'll not be easily moved because we'll be strong and we'll be sure and we'll be anchored in what we believe in Christ. Then be prepared to stand. Ephesians 6, when he mentions, of course, uh, you know, the armor of God and what we're fighting in principalities and parts over, he says, but he says, having done all, stand. When you've done everything you know to do, you've prayed every prayer you know to pray, you believe with everything in your body to believe with, you've done everything you know to do, he says, stand. Then he says, stand, therefore, and then he talks about the armor of God. But first of all, he says, you have to stand. Yeah. See, this is being immovable. It was said of Winston Churchill that it was a, like an iron peg driven into frozen ground. You couldn't shake him. When he, once he got something, you could not shake him. And that's the way God wants us to be. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong, Paul says. Sometimes you have to stand a long time. William Wilberforce became an MP in 1780 at the age of 21. Eight years later, he began the movement in England that resulted in the abolition of the slave trade in the British West Indies. However, after repeated setbacks, he had to retire from Parliament due to ill health in 1825. In fact, he had to wait 25 years until 1833 to see both Houses of Parliament pass the Slavery Abolition Act. He was on his deathbed when he was informed because they knew he was dying. And the news came through that the both houses was going to pass the bill, but it was going to take another month to pass it. So they went and told him because they knew he was dying. 
and he did die before that bill actually was read out in Parliament. But he went to the Lord because he was a born-again believer. He went to the Lord knowing that after 25 years, the thing that he had pushed for 25 years had actually happened because he stood his ground. He was attacked. He was lambasted. They did everything against that man, but he just kept standing and standing and standing until he got the answer and got the breakthrough. One person said that they went to hear him. And he says, as Wilberforce had so much ill health, as he climbed up into the rostrum to speak, he says, he was like a shrimp of a man. But he says when he began to speak, he says he was like a whale. <laughs> because he had something. And he believed something. And he had strong beliefs. And he was willing to stand and take all the flag and keep at it and at it until he got the breakthrough. Somebody said, an oak tree is only a little nut who has held its ground. <laughs> when things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're treading seems all uphill, when friends are far and problems nigh, and you want to smile, but you only sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but never quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up if the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often a goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often a struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to a golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the cloud of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It is nearest when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. That's an anonymous little poem. Greg Asimakolopopus. <laughs> You know, I, I've, I pronounced that about 40 times and then I still can't get it right. That's a hard one to say, isn't it? You try to say A-S-I-M-A-K-O-U-P-O-U-L-O-S. Any takers? Anyone to pronounce that for me? All right. Your man. Your man. He tells of a commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston. The pilot, Henry Dempson, Dempsey heard an unusual noise near the rear of a small aircraft. I hope you're listening to this, Miles. Pilot in training at the back there. He turned the controls over to his co-pilot and went back to investigate. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket and Dempsey was tossed against the rear door. He quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. The rear door had not been properly latched prior to takeoff and it flew open and he was instantly sucked out of the aircraft. The co-pilot, seeing the red light that indicated an open door, radioed the nearest airport, requesting permission to make an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane, and he requested a helicopter search in that area of the ocean. After the plane landed, they found Henry Dempsey, holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. <laughs> Somehow he had caught the ladder, held on for 10 minutes as the plane flew 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet, and then at landing, he kept his head from hitting the runway. 
It took the airport personnel several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers from the ladder. <laughs> the Simcolopicus said, things in life may feel turbulent and you may not like, you may not feel like holding on, but have you considered the alternative? <laughs> You see, you've got to be prepared to stand and trust God and believe the Lord. We're living in an ever-changing world. Let's be immovable. Let's be strong. Let's be steadfast. Let our feet be planted firmly in the things of God. Amen? Amen. There's more, but I'm not going to give you any more tonight. Here endeth the lesson. All right, we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you that you have put something within each of us that gives us that added strength whenever we face great difficulties. Lord, some of us perhaps wouldn't even be here tonight if it wasn't for your grace and mercy. If it wasn't for the fact, Lord, that they are immovable in Christ. That they know the Lord and they're trusting him and believing with all their heart. So we give you thanks for this tonight, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we're not tossed about with every wind of doctrine, that we're not tossed about to and fro with the opinions of men. But, Lord, we have read your word, we trust your word, we believe your word, and we know that at the end of the book, we win. So we thank you, Lord, as we stand tall and firm in Christ. Lord, by your grace and mercy, Lord, help us to live like this for the rest of our lives until you take us home when our race is run. We thank you for the faith that you've put within each of us tonight. What a blessing it has been to love you and to serve you and to walk with you all of our lives. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal. Or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.